0: Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Rex. I don't know if you caught one thing that he just said. He's holding a mic, and you just heard a pastor say, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) Did you hear that? I know better than that. I know better than that. Uh, Yeah, it was back in early 90s that uh, we did ministry together, Pastor Rex and I, um, with Youth for Christ, going to D.C. events. And uh, that was a long time ago. It only just shows how old he is. You know what, when it comes to age though, right, compared to eternity, we're not that old. We're, we're, we're all right, right? Nobody's that old compared to eternity. So yes, I have been, uh, last month, uh, part of Children's Lantern. It is a new adventure in my life, and uh, one that I'm really excited about. And I just want to share just a little bit about Children's Lantern, and then I have a message that I want to share with you that God has laid upon my heart here for this morning. But at Children's Lantern, we've got a new thing that's happening that I want you to know about, and uh, we're we're starting a transitional house. It's actually going to be two apartments, and uh, those are going to open up the 1st of January. We're going to take applications in December, find out who the two young adults that are aging out of foster care, who are going to be part of uh, this particular ministry and have the opportunity to stay in in these two apartments. And we've hired a, a young lady to come alongside of them and to mentor them, to give them uh, skills for uh, living, you know, to to wash clothes and... And take out garbage and everything that you're supposed to do as an adult, right? And uh, and make sure that your house is in order. But more important than that, she'll give those skills, but she's also going to come alongside of them as they find out more about their life in Christ. And that's the most important thing about Children's Lantern that I believe. That, that yes, we come along foster families, and, and yes, we want to help with kindred care, and, and yes, we help people get out of sex slavery or, or human trafficking. But but you know what? To, to help and do all those things without bringing Christ into it, to me personally, is really no point at all. And so we do that. If you want to know more about Christian's Lanterns, we have a, a table out there, and, and we would love for you to stop by and, and, uh, and ask questions. We'll be out there after the service. My wife Leslie is here, and she'll be out there. Also, but there is a Facebook page, Instagram. We put a lot of things on there, um, ways that maybe you could help, volunteer, donate, those type of things. And we would love to have you do that. Now, at Children's Lantern, our purpose is to is three things. Our purpose is this: it is to support families, it is to strengthen the vul- vulnerable, and it is also to empower the community. Now, we can only do that, right? through being an example of Christ to those that we minister to. So when I think about our purpose, I can't help but think that each of us as believers in Christ need to have that same purpose, right? We need to be doing these things. The, the families around us have failed over the years. I think Satan's attacked families harder than anything else to destroy the Christian faith. And so we need to be supporting families. We need to also be strengthening the vulnerable. That's scriptural, right? To help the orphans and the widows, those that are in need. That's what we're always supposed to be doing, the homeless. And then to empower the community. But you know what? I don't want to be another social group, and I don't want to be a social person. I want to be a believer in Christ, and I hope that's what you want too. And so we have to be that example of Christ To others, that's what we are supposed to do. So today's message that I have here this morning is titled, Working the Harvest. Working the Harvest. Billy Graham once said the following about the evangelistic, evangelistic harvest. The evangelistic harvest is always urgent. Do you hear that? It's always urgent. The destiny of men and of nations is always being decided. Every generation is strategic. Now listen to this. We are not responsible for the past generation. That is different than what we are hearing from the world today. But we are not responsible for the past generation. And we cannot bear the full responsibility for the next generation. Here it is. But we do have our own generation. The generation that you and I are living in today... And God is going to hold us responsible as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age. You know, as I think about God's kingdom and the part that you and I have in it, because we all have a part, it's my prayer today that as you walk out of this place, you will walk out with a changed attitude, with a sense of urgency about God's kingdom. I want you to see how urgent Jesus was about his father's kingdom. John 4, 34 through 35, says these words, my food. Now Jesus is saying this, right? He's saying, my food. Now think about this. This is Jesus who stepped out of heaven to walk this earth, says my food. How many of you know what you're doing for dinner here in a little bit? How many of you know what you're doing this week, you got your groceries all bought. We, we all set up and we think about our food because that's, we need food, right? We all do. And here's Jesus, the most important thing to him that is probably the most important thing to, to all of us humans is food. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? We all know around here when the harvest happens, we're kind of the middle, maybe towards the end of it right now. With all the rain, it's, it's, it's really been a hassle this year. We know when the harvest is going to be next, you know, late spring, early summer. We all understand that. Here he's saying, it's four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What's his food? To finish his father's work. And that should be yours and I's. That children's lantern, we want to be known as this. And we had a tagline to those three things I pointed out earlier. And our tagline started out to be a village beyond the system. You know, when you're a village, you're, you're trying to bring people into a, a community together, right? And that's why we were a village beyond the system, beyond the government system, to give them hope beyond something else. But we were missing two key words, and we added a village of hope. And what is that hope? The hope is Jesus, right? We just sang about it. The hope that we all have in Christ as fellow believers. You know, we can come, Leslie and I can come here to this church and worship with you because we have in common a faith in Jesus Christ. And that is awesome. That is so awesome. But wouldn't it be amazing if all of us as believers would have a desire to be a village of hope beyond the system, beyond what the world says. Luke 9.6 says this. So they set out and went from village to village. Who is it that set out? It is disciples. They set out from village to village proclaiming the good news. Proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now some of you are saying, well, whoa, 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 I'm not going to be out there in this healing business. But I will tell you this, you proclaim the good news to somebody and they give their life to Jesus and they come into a relationship with our Father in heaven, they are healed. And we need to proclaim the good news. Wouldn't that be amazing if we were all doing that? That our goal in life would be to fulfill that great commission. You know what the great commission is, right? Out of Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I can hear it right now. I heard it in my churches when I was pastoring. I would hear people say, whoa, 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 pastor. I'm not going to be out there baptizing people. I can't do that. I'm not ordained. Don't put me in that place. That's not what we're talking about here. You're baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're pointing them and bringing them into a direction of Jesus Christ to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, baptizing them in that name. We all can do that. We all need to do that. It goes on to say, in teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, every one of you in here, Know something about God. You wouldn't be here today. <laughs> you, you studied scripture. Or you've looked at it. You've heard messages. You know something. You know some of those commands. And that's all you have to do is teach him those commands. It says, surely I will be with you always. See? Jesus is right there by your side to help you do it. To the very end of the age. Each of us should be working the harvest. So our passage today is going to come out of Matthew chapter 9. If you would, would you turn your Bibles to Matthew 9. We're going to look at verses 35 through 38. And I'm going to ask you because, and I don't get this. You guys all had an extra hour of sleep, right? You look a little tired to me. So we're going to wake up a little bit and have you stand up. And we're going to read God's word together. Would you stand as I read today's passage? I'm reading out of the NIV. Starting with verse 35 out of chapter 9 of Matthew, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all you do for us. You are an amazing God. You created this universe. You created everything that we see. And you've created us. And you've created us to have a relationship with you. But Lord, we're not supposed to hold it just to ourselves. We're supposed to help bring in that harvest. So I pray as we go through this message here today, go through this passage, that my voice isn't heard, Lord, that only your voice is heard, and Holy Spirit, that you have your way in each person that's in this sanctuary here this morning, so that we walk out different, that we walk out ready. We love you, we praise you, in your precious Son's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rex started a sermon series, right? The sermon series is titled, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. I love technology. I love the fact that I can go to your guys' website and I can hear those two messages. If you have not heard those two messages, make sure you do that. If you missed the last two weeks, make sure that you hear those two messages. I hope you're excited about the series That's at hand. It sounds like it's going to be, you know, another month or two to go through it. But that series is based out of Galatians chapter 5 and really focusing on verses 22 through 23. Which says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, against such things, there is no law. Now a pastor called me and he asked me to preach this weekend. He actually gave me a choice that I could continue in the order. So last week he spoke on love. That would be joy this week. He said I could speak in that order or I could bring that to you or I can share a message that God has laid upon my heart. And I believe this message that, that I have here today is something that really all churches need to hear. All of us as believers need to hear. And I can't tell you enough, though, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it is so important when we think about working the harvest. You know, I know when sharing Christ with others, that can be pretty intimidating. That's sometimes pretty hard to do. And sometimes, if, if we're really honest, those opportunities arise and we fail. We miss the opportunity that God put right in front of us to share Christ with somebody else. We've all been there. I've done that many a times as somebody that's been in ministry for over 30 years. I bet if you ask Pastor Rex, he'd tell you the same thing. We miss opportunities. So it can be very difficult to do it. But I want to encourage you today. We all have very different gifts. Each one of us. Some of you can preach. Some of you can sing. Some of you, you don't want to hear me up here singing. All right? But you all have gifts. You all have something that you can do for the kingdom. The question is this. Are you using your gift... That God has given you. Today's passage is going to show us three ways. Three ways to be working the harvest. Three ways to be working the harvest. It is my prayer that you will be at least faithful in one of those three ways. I really pray that you will actually be faithful in all three of them. But if you can just grab a hold of one of them, that would be great. According to the scripture that we just read, right? The harvest is ready. So the question becomes, are you... You know, in his first message two weeks ago, Pastor Rex said these things about um, Christian life. And I think they're very, very bold statements. And I've got about seven of them that I picked up from his message that I want to remind you because they're not just statements that you should hear, but I think they're statements that we need to apply and we need to put them into our life. One thing he said was, put on a Christian attitude. Put on a Christian attitude. We're actually going to speak about that here in a little bit. The next thing he said was the church needs to be the church, and it may be very hard. You know, one thing I've seen over the last several years the church isn't being the church outside these walls. The church needs to be the church. He said these words The devil will do all he can to derail you. As a matter of fact, he said, You know, the devil's out that roaring lion looking for people to destroy or to devour. Satan wants to destroy you. You need to understand it. You've got an opponent out there every day as a believer in Christ. But here's one that I love. He says, Jesus never cracks. He is a firm foundation. Amen? Jesus is a firm foundation. He never cracks. Went on to say, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you. In this busy world that we live in, you know, I, I'm just reminded when, that, when I heard that was, be still and know that he is God. I love this one. He says, we each need to make an effort and God wants everyone to succeed. Sometimes we get scared that we're not going to do the right thing, but God wants you to succeed. Everyone needs to make an effort. And finally, this one here says, Take a deep breath. Celebrate the power of Christ. Celebrate the power of Christ. The same power that rose Jesus from that grave is the power that lives in each of us who have a personal relationship with Christ. Celebrate that. Every day celebrate it. When we do this, We're going to succeed then in producing that good fruit, which I believe will help us in working the harvest. So let's take a look at those three ways to be working the harvest. Here's the first way. Go for the kingdom. Go for the kingdom. Um, If you don't have a personal vision statement, this is a pretty easy one to remember and to think about on a daily basis. Go for the kingdom. When you wake up, say to yourself, I'm going to go for the kingdom. When you go to Walmart, say to yourself, I'm going to go for the kingdom here. If you go to the grocery store, wherever you go, if you're with family, with your friends, or you're at your school, whatever you are, go for the kingdom. That you're going to do that today. Why is vision important? Well, Proverbs 29:18 says it this way. Where there is no revelation, in the King James it will say, where there is no vision... People cast off restraint. The King James says, people will perish. Where there's no vision, people perish. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Did you hear that? By following what God has for us, understanding his word, blessed is the one who heeds that instruction. You know, when I think about being blessed, I think about the first two Verses of Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to ask this question. How many of you want to be blessed today? Okay, that really floors me. I I figured when I asked that question, every hand would go up. There's two reasons that I think your hand didn't go up right there on that question. One, you're, you're just too lazy to do this. All right? The other one is you're asleep, so wake up. How many of you want to be blessed? We all do. We all want to be blessed. Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says this. Blessed is the one. And now notice it goes who does not do. And it says three things here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Think about those three things. If you want to be blessed, do not do these. When you walk in step with the wicked, understand this. No matter where you go or what you do, we live in a fallen world, and you are going to walk in step with the wicked. You can't get away from that. We live in a fallen, sinful world. So we're going to be walking in step with the wicked. You just need to be aware of it. Here's the best part about walking in step with the wicked, though. If you have to flee, you're moving. (laughs) You can flee. You can get away. But notice the next progression of this. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Church, here's where we failed. We've stood. We've stood with the sinners. We've said to the scripture, I don't believe that scripture really applies to me anymore. So we've stood with the sinners. And then it gets worse. We sit in the company of mockers. Who are mockers, right? I don't. I really don't think if you make fun of God, God's really going to care a whole lot. And I only say that because I think God's pretty self-assured of who he is. So you can make fun of him all you want. But when you mock him, you mock him by saying, you know what? Your word doesn't mean anything today. And I have heard that from our churches. That was 2,000 years ago. It surely doesn't apply for today. But then you're sitting with the mockers. It's pretty hard, especially the older you get, to get up from sitting on the floor and go to a place where you have to run and flee from it. So those are three things you don't want to do. What is it that we should be doing? You wanted to be blessed, right? Right here it is. But but whose delight is in the law of the Lord? Those who are going to be blessed, your delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, you are picking up scripture, you are reading it on your own. You're not just coming to Sunday or Wednesday or Bible study, whatever. You are doing this on your own. You delight in the law of the Lord and you meditate on it day and night. You let it sink in. You memorize it. People will say, I can't memorize it. and yet You turn on a song and a song from 15 years comes along and they know every word of that song. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night. In the last week's message, Pastor Rex asked a very important question to you. Do you know how people know you're a Christian? Do you know how people know you're a Christian? And then he said these words. It's really simple. You love them like Jesus. If you love people like Jesus loved us, they'll know you're a Christian. How did Jesus love us? I just put my hands out here this much. He put his arms out to have himself nailed to a cross because he wanted to die for your sins and for mine. He loved us this much. And then Jesus comes with this command and says, This out of John chapter 15, 12 through 13, my command is this love each other as I loved you. How much did Jesus love us? This much. How did he love us? By going to his death for your sins and for mine. That's how much he loved us. And we're supposed to love others like he loved us. And then he goes, greater has, love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friend. My guess is you'll never have to die for anybody. That's my guess. But when you put yourself aside and you make it all about somebody else, you're kind of dying to yourself. And making sure that you are pointing those people towards Jesus' love. When that happens, you start showing people the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. First of all, you can only do that if you have a personal relationship with Christ so it has to start there. But if you are here today and you know that you have a personal relationship with Christ, you then have that responsibility. Look back at our passage and how to go for the kingdom. Out of verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns. Everywhere Jesus was going, this is what was happening. In villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, doing his father's business is what he was doing, and healing every disease and sickness, You know, every day when I wake up, I say these words to myself. It's all about Jesus all the time. I try to remind myself, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, it's all about Jesus all the time. Remember why Jesus came to this earth? He came to serve and not be served. Right? He came to die on a cross for our sins. We just sang about this. He came to conquer death. And to rise again. But he also came to point people to his father's kingdom. Each of us need to be like Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. And every day we need to go for the kingdom. So here's way number 2, all right? Look for the lost. Look for the lost. D.L. Moody told the following story one time of a conversation that he once had when he was younger. And it went like this. He says, when I was in Boston, I used to attend a Sunday school class. And one day, I recollect, my teacher came around behind the counter of the shop I was working in and put his hand upon my shoulder and talked to me about Christ and my soul. I had not felt that. I had even, even had a soul until that time. I said to myself, this is very strange. Here is a man who has never seen me until lately and he is weeping over my sins and I've never shed a tear about them. But I understand it now and know what it is to have passion for men's souls and to weep over their sins. I don't remember what he said but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder So I'll ask you this question. Where's your urgency for you as a believer in Christ to walk and to do what he commands? Where is your urgency today? People are dying all around us. Every day people enter into eternity, whether it is eternity into heaven or eternity into hell. But that happens every day. Do you have compassion for them? Do you care? Remember, we walk in step with the wicked all the time. Look at Jesus' example in our passage in verse 36. And again, this includes you and I. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Did you notice that? As he was walking those villages, he has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How were people harassed and helpless? Because we have an adversary out there that doesn't want people to know about the kingdom of God. Satan wants to do everything he can to keep people down. And he'll harass them, and they are helpless until they have Jesus within them to help fight. What is compassion? In his book, Wishful Thinking, Fredner Buckner uh, says the following about compassion. Listen to this closely. Compassion is sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside somebody else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy for you too. That's compassion. Do you remember what Jesus said about peace? He said two very distinct things while he was here on earth about peace. The first one he said is out of Matthew chapter 10. Verses 34 through 36. He says, Do not suppose that I come to bring peace on earth. Did you catch that? He didn't come to bring peace on earth. You know why? He understood there would never ever be peace on earth. Not in a fallen world. It's just never going to happen. There's always going to be some argument. There's always going to be something that's going to keep people fighting. And going against one another. Matter of fact, he even says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That's kind of strange. For I come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. How many of you have ever had a family reunion and had a really fun conversation about Jesus and Christianity and religion? We've all had those battles. Maybe it was at work. Maybe you're going through that today. Because if you have that peace with Christ, those who don't know Jesus don't understand. And there's going to be a battle. Here's the peace that Jesus came to bring, though. This is so important. In John 16, it says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Each of us can have a personal peace because of Jesus Christ. We can have a relationship with our heavenly, holy Loving Father. <laughs> because what Jesus did on a cross, because he loved us this much. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We live in a fallen world, there are lost people all over the place. The question you've got to ask yourself, are you willing? Are you willing to look for the lost? <laughs> They're out there, everywhere you go. Are you willing? Here's the third way. Pray for the workers. Pray for the workers. This is the one that really nobody has any excuse here today, all right? If you Remember I said, I hope you at least take one of these and you work on one of these. This is the one that nobody has any excuse. After all, Scripture tells us, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. As a believer, we are constantly in prayer. That doesn't mean when you're driving your car that your eyes are closed, okay? I'm just make sure you understand that. But we're in that state of prayer, keeping our focus on Him. It's all about Jesus all the time. An English Christian evangelist by the name of Leonard Ravenhill once said the following about prayer and harvest The law of prayer is the law of harvest. So sparingly in prayer, reap sparingly. So bountifully in prayer, reap bountifully. The trouble is that when we are trying to get from our efforts what we never put in them, we are trying to get from our efforts what we have never put into them, are you sowing sparingly or bountifully in your prayer life when it comes to prayer? You know, over the course of my 30 years of ministry, I can't tell you the importance of having a prayer warrior or prayer warriors, people who have been praying for me when I'm out in the field. That is so critical. But you know, not only should we be praying for those, and I Pastor Ruck said earlier that you guys pray for the ministry of Children's Lantern. That is awesome. But not only should we be praying for those who are already out there, we need to be praying for more workers. <laughs> Guess what? That might be you. It just might be you. You might be praying for workers, and then, boom, it hits you. I need to do this. I need to go for the kingdom. I need to be looking for the lost. Look at verse 37, 38 of our passage as we get ready to close here this morning. He says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, before, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Do you hear Jesus' cry? Jesus is saying, ask God, ask our Heavenly Father for these workers. We need to be praying to send out workers. In other words, church, I believe this wholeheartedly, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. We don't want to be found like the church in Laodicea, right? In Revelations chapter 2, you know about that church, right? When John reveals to them what, what was spoken to him and what was said to him. And he comes to that church and he says these words in Revelations 2, 15 through 16. He says, I know your deeds. See, I, I, God knows our deeds, right? He says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. It, it doesn't matter which extreme you are. Get either hot or get either cold. Get off that fence. Most people will say, well, I want to be hot. I want to be on fire for God. It doesn't matter which one it is. Be one of those extremes. You know, I I like to go to coffee shops. I have been to many. I have never stood in line at a coffee shop and somebody in front of me say, I want my... Super-duper-valente, whatever they say, and all this other stuff, and all these creams and sugars, and whatever else they say. I've never heard any of them afterwards say, and please make it lukewarm. Every one of them. It's either hot or cold, right? Be one of those extremes. This church understood this wholeheartedly. You know why? Because this church of Laodicea had two springs that came into their city. One was a hot spring, one was a cold. And they knew the importance of both of them. Be either hot or cold. Here's what happens in verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. How many of you want to be regurgitated today? Glad nobody raised their hand. How about this? How many of you want to be in the battle? We want to be in that battle, right? That's what the harvest is all about. Part of that battle is crying out to God with every breath that he gives us. Look at verse 38 again. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Church, let's commit to that, all right? Each of us can do that one. Each of us can pray for the workers. I want to ask the praise and worship team if they would come up. As I get ready to close this message, and as they're coming, I want to remind you what your vision statement here is at True North. It's actually pretty easy to remember, but I want to say this. If you're really honest, it's pretty hard to achieve. It's not an easy thing to do. Your vision statement comes from Matthew twenty two, thirty seven through forty, where these words are says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the first and greatest commandment, and the second one is like it Love your neighbor as yourselves. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And your vision statement says this Love God, love others. I believe if you do that, no matter where you are or who you are with, you will be doing the work that Christ started over 2,000 years ago. And you will be truly working the harvest. You'll, be, you'll go for the kingdom, right? You will look for the lost no matter where you are. And you will pray for the workers. If God is speaking to you today something was triggered into you, the Holy Spirit was making your chest pound a little bit today because you know that you just haven't been doing these things. I I would ask that during our final song, you step out of your comfort zone and you come down and you put it before God today. You cry out. Start it today. Cry out to him. Have him help you so that you can do these things because that harvest is ready. The truth is, we don't know how soon Christ is going to come. But it could be any day. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, it has to start there, right? That's where it first starts. And I don't want to assume just because you came into a church today that you are a Christian. I wouldn't assume if you came into my garage that you're a car, right? So I don't want to assume that have to turn your life over to Christ. Make today the day. Give it to Him. If you want to do that during this final song, I'll be up here in the front row. Pastor Rex is back there. We would love to pray with you as you give your life to Jesus. Would you stand and let's sing our final song together?